When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Justin Michael. We've got Jake here. We've got Hank here. We've got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about the the most recent Broncos news, some comments made by George Payton. I'm going to go over CSU's Pro Day, which I was at earlier this week. Now we're going to dive into our cornerback and safety rankings because it's about that time. And this is a pretty intriguing class. Also, a couple of uh, positions that Denver probably needs to look at in this upcoming draft. So it is timely. Guys, how's everybody doing? It's it's early Sunday morning. Jake's got the Michigan hoodie on. Are you in the football zone? You, you look like you could use some more coffee. Uh, it's been a rough uh, start to the weekend, but uh, we're hanging in there. Um, kind of wishing I had some football to watch to wake me up, but it is what it is. Yeah, I, I went to bed a little bit too recently for my taste. There was a lot of alcohol. <laughs> there was not a lot of sleep, but here we are. And I'm not like at risk of really struggling. So that's that's good news. <laughs> Killing it. <laughs> Coming off of a, a pretty fun final four that has nothing to do with this, but just in, in the sports world, obviously always relevant. Coach K goes down. We've got a 2008 rematch with Kansas versus North Carolina on Monday night. Should be fun. Um, I'll talk about that on the Rams pod. I'm sure Hankel. Talk about college basketball a little bit on the Buffs pod as well, so we won't waste your time. But let's uh, let's talk about Billy Turner, who returns to Denver with Nathaniel Hackett, a guy he played for three years, I believe, in, in Green Bay. Assumingly, your your day one starting right tackle. I'll say that I hope he is. Yeah, but I, he definitely is like probably that guy. Um, he so so my roommate when he went to the Packers was a Packer fan. And I remember the day that they gave Billy Turner that massive contract. I remember saying, Matt, that's a terrible deal. You are not going to be happy about this. You just aren't. And and I guess he played pretty solidly there. Um, and, and what you really like about him is just the versatility. You know, you can line him up at right tackle, left tackle, guard. But But to me, if he is kind of your sixth lineman, you're in a really good place. If he's a starter... It, it's it's I mean it's not like he's the worst starter in the league because there are very few good starting tackles, but it does kind of feel like a move where you say like okay we're gonna bite the bullet we're we're going to accept that this is where we are and maybe clean things up next year. Yeah, I mean the hole is filled uh, right tackle yeah. for now. I mean whether it's I don't know someone above average uh, right tackle in the NFL, probably not. But uh, just to be able to have that position filled, especially going into the draft, just leaves all your options open. Um, it's just, I don't know, I just like to see this from George Payton. I mean, it's just good roster management, honestly. Uh, even though Billy Turner might not end up being uh, this year's option at right tackle or even a long-term option, just having him on the team just makes me feel a bit better, at least. Yeah. And, and, and you can't, can't ignore the fact that, like Justin said, he's been with Nathaniel Hackett. Like, he knows the scheme. Right. And... I, again, like the flaws are mostly in pass protection, 
right? And so, so you, you, you do think that running that outside zone with the Packers recently is going to be beneficial at this point. So that's one thing you could point to. Um, and then in terms of the pass protection, you also have Russell Wilson. And with those mobile quarterbacks, I always tend to try to f- like the idea of getting a really good right tackle somebody who can almost be like a lead blocker on those rollouts, somebody who can just manhandle whoever's there. But I mean, the traditional thinking is, well, it's Russell Wilson. If he can see the guy coming, he can get around him and, and it, it's going to be just fine. So that, that part of it does make you feel better too. You know, it, it does kind of suck if you give Russell Wilson a bad offensive line after all the bad offensive lines he has, but with mobile quarterbacks, you can kind of get away with that. And that's why it always happens. And to that point too, I think, with players like that, the interior of the offensive line kind of plays a bigger role also mm-hmm. because obviously pressure in the face for any quarterback is not what you want. Um, but, you know, uh, Russ is crazy. I mean, an edge rusher gets around Bowles or Billy Turner and uh, Russ has shown throughout his career. He's got the ability to evade the pocket or slip out of a sack if he has to. Uh, so, I mean, you don't want to kind of keep the same bad offensive line pattern that off uh, that Russell Wilson has had on offense for so long. Um, but this is fine. And and given the guys you have right of, now, given the guys you have right now, it's still better than what the Seahawks had, you know, right? Like, like it is, it isn't like a bad line. It's just, it was really exciting when you thought maybe they would get a really good right tackle. Another thing with the interior pressure, you know, for, for all the things he does well, Russ, has he isn't he isn't elite throwing the ball across the middle of the field. Um, it's it's kind of the boundaries and stuff. So when you're able to build that pocket in front of him and and maybe kind of mitigate that weakness just a little bit, boost it up. I, I, I like that. Well, off of both of your points, I want to kind of transition into just kind of a, a subtopic off of this is does the the addition of Billy Turner impact kind of what your thought process should be going into into the second round with the 64th overall pick is offensive tackle offensive guard is that potentially up in play i also you know you you guys brought up the blocking and the, the the zone schemes i put you know i still think a more complete tight end should be in play at, at 64 just given i think you need a more complete tight end for that blocking i love alberto but he's closer to noah fant than than george kittle I think to be successful here, if you have a, a really competent run blocking tight end, that's also going to make up for, you know, I don't want to say deficiencies, but if you don't necessarily have like an A plus right tackle, which again, like Billy Turner's more along the lines of, yeah, that that works. You know, he's like stopping for a, you know, Subway sandwich or whatever. It's going to satisfy your hunger. It's going to get the job done, but it's, you know, there's, there's better options out there. Right, right. Um, you know, I mean, honestly, going back to what we talked about a little bit earlier, I guess, Billy Turner, the the holes are all plugged, so they can really go wherever they want. Um, but there are some intriguing names, I think, around that 64 pick. Um, we'll get into trade-up guys here uh, in a minute, tr- possible trade-up guys. Uh, but, you know, if the, there's a player there that, I don't know, maybe – someone like Kenyon green, if he somehow falls midway through the second or something, that's a guy that should definitely be looked at. Yeah, definitely. I, I, or, or, I mean the, the other two tackles kind of what they'd be like number four and five, probably with Ryman and uh, Trevor Penning, you know, both those guys being so raw, you could see a world where, where they slip and, you know, 
I'd, I'd be a lot more comfortable if, if you wound up grabbing one of them in the top of the second, the middle of the second, just to have for a year behind Billy Turner. Somebody like that, I think, would fit well. I'll also say that at 64, the idea of, of getting a tackle there and putting him on the field this year, not in love with it. But, you know, it is what it is. I'll throw out Darian Kennard. Um, I like his versatility out of Kentucky. Again, I, probably kind of similar to Billy Turner at Jack of all trades, not necessarily a, a master of any of them. We all love Zion Johnson from Boston College. I'm not sure he's going to be there at 64. That, I guess that could be a, a trade up guy, although his, his stock is kind of all over the place. Like I see him going <laughs> in mid to, to late first rounds, and some guys are like early third rounds. He's kind of a little bit hard to predict. So maybe, maybe he will end up falling. Um, let, let's get into some of the guys you could see around 64, though, outside of, of guard, just real quick. Um, tight end wise, I'm going to go ahead and say I'm assuming Trey McBride isn't there at 64. Maybe Doldich is, though, at a UCLA. Mm -hmm. Dosich would be nice. Um, he is kind of one of the best. Um, I, I, we talked about tight ends a few weeks ago, and I think I he was one of those guys that he could play Y as a bit more complete. Um, he's not just going to be a vertical field stretcher, which they obviously already have in Alberto. Um, so, yeah, to your point, someone like Dulcich uh, would be really nice. Um, you know, maybe someone like Jeremy Rucker, that's kind of high for that, you know, back into the second Well, that's round. what I wanted to ask you. Is 64 too high for Dulcich even? I don't think so. I, I, I also wouldn't say you're getting like a, a steal. You know, when, when you're saying that at 64, usually there's somebody you've been looking at since like pick 40 and you're just like, okay, there's, or, or like, there's these four guys. Like if you could get one of those four to fall, that'd be incredible. And then one of them winds up there, but then what inevitably happens is they wind up drafting somebody else like Dulcich. You're like, oh yeah, late second, early third, makes some sense. Maybe even early third more likely, but yeah, I think uh, he, he fits. He fits, but there's a lot of guys who you could justify there. Yeah, I think those situations. Is there any way Weidermeyer falls that far? I think so. He's, he, I mean, he's, Man. he's coming off but again. Like a, he's not, I mean, he's kind of like bringing in another Alberto. I mean, I, I think athleticism wise, hands wise, you would do it just because the, the upside is, is so high, but he's not really fulfilling that need of a guy that can help out in the zone blocking scheme. Right. True. I mean, it would be, I, I would love to have Jalen Watermeyer. I think that would be, you know, you have him, you have him Alberto. Was, I mean, yeah, it's, you'd be eating up the seams. And like Hank mentioned at the start of the show, that kind of is Russell Wilson's weakest area of the field is over the middle. So if you kind of bolster that area with these targets, um, I don't want to say it'll, it's going to work or should work, mm -hmm. but uh, you're definitely making it more possible, you know? And I mean, you also think about, who the Seahawks had and they never really had like a slot receiver or, or even like a, a good tight end in his prime who would be really good in the middle of the field. Like you have Tyler Lockett, but he's stretching that seam when he's in the slot more than he's actually doing slot receiver things, finding gaps in the zone, sitting down three yards downfield. Yeah. I mean, I think of uh, a Doug Baldwin there, but I mean, mm -hmm. like you said, when I think of Doug Baldwin on the Seahawks, I think of him catching fades yeah. 20, 30 yards down the field for Russell Wilson. I don't think of him, you know, playing that traditional Welker Edelman slot role where he's eating up yards over the middle for us. Exactly. I don't want to give names because we're going to go into the, the rankings here and we can kind of mention 
as we do it, whether we think they're a Broncos fit or not. But I feel like safety and, and corner could definitely be in play at 64 as well, just given the this, I guess, unpredictability of what's going to happen with all these contracts. I mean, we still don't know what Kareem's doing. We don't know what's going to happen with all these corners that came in on one-year deals. Even some of the other guys, it's like, are, are we sure we believe in a Moj- uh, Michael Emo? I can't say it. Ojemudia. Thank you. Ojemudia. <laughs> yeah. It's not even hard. <laughs> nope. Um, but yeah, where, where are we at there? Is corner safety in play? I think definitely. I, I think I think they might be done in free agency at corner. I do think that they'll get another safety though. And it's probably going to wind up being Kareem Jackson. It's probably going to be $3 million, $2 million, something like that. Um, just like a short one-year deal because he is getting up there. Um, but if you have him and Stearns and Simmons, that's a good group. Uh, so there's no like pressing need, especially because they have Johnson behind who I, I imagine we're going to see at some point. Right. Um, at corner though, when you have Sertan, Darby, and K1 Williams, and then like Oja Mudia, Bassey, like those are some decent developmental guys. I wouldn't mind seeing another corner right there. Probably probably a slot guy, right? Probably somebody who could push K1 Williams. Um, and I think that that's probably where this draft class is is the deepest. I think there's the top end talent, there's more outside guys, but I think the depth is probably in the slot guys anyway. Right. Um, yeah, Kareem Jackson, it's looking, I would assume he signs back with Denver, but you never really know with those type of things. I do think corner, uh, when you're talking possible trade-up stuff, is the position I would look to more so than safety. Um, it's interesting. Uh, we'll get into it when we get uh, to the rankings here, but there is like a kind of strict divide at both positions, cornerback and safety, really around that back end of the second where the Broncos are picking around 64. Um, you know, there's a distinct cutoff for me in terms of corner around that point. And then safety, uh, we, you go about five deep at safety, but after that, it really kind of, you're just, I don't know, taking guys that you kind of like, whether it's one thing or another. Um, so could be in play for safety. Uh, corner would be interesting. I mean, shoot guys, even when they had the ninth overall pick, I mean, you thought the possibility of maybe them taking someone like sauce or Stingley at that ninth overall pick. I don't think that's a bad use of the pick. Uh, if they had that. Definitely. I do think though, that the appeal is getting somebody who's really, really good and, and kind of, kind of, kind of adding to the room from the top. If that makes sense. Like you still have Sertan up there, but it's like, okay, now Darby's your number three and you feel really good about Darby as a number three as a number two. It's like, Oh yeah, he was solid last year, but he's not, blowing your mind or anything. I think that when, when you start adding like those big outside cornerbacks and saying like, okay, so you're going to sit behind Sertan, you're going to sit behind Darby, you're potentially going to sit behind Ojemudia too. Then you start to wonder if that's just kind of a, a waste of a pick in the second round, or at least I would. That's possible. Yeah. But I mean, I, man, this is the NFL in 2022. I mean, loading up on corners is never a bad thing. That's uh, true. And you know, I do – I don't want to say the Broncos' depth is bad at cornerback. Uh, I mean, all these guys have kind of had their time to play and stuff, so you're not getting, like, unknown products out there that you're going to have to throw at cornerback um, as it stands right now. But it, it can be a little bit better, I think. I think that, you know, God forbid PS2 gets hurt and you're and all of a sudden you're really struggling at corner, right? That's so true. it's something that needs to be – Maybe not uh, with the first pick in the draft, but I would trust Peyton and uh, the scouts to, you know, maybe select two guys later in the drafts to kind of help uh, alleviate that pressure. 
especially because, you know, OJ Mudia is coming off a serious injury and expecting him right. to be full. I mean, and that's just something you see, like, how often do we talk about that? I mean, Carson Strong, where it's like, is he the athlete we saw last year? No, it was because it was his first year back. He came back a little bit quick from an ACL thing. Um, and, and I feel like that's true for so many guys. You know, Buffs have a running back. Alex Fontenot, it's like, yeah, he clearly lost his step when he came back from his ACL last year. So, so I think that expecting OJ Moody, who's already like a fringe type of player to be at his best is probably a stretch. And then Bassey behind him. I mean, they literally cut Bassey like four months ago right. and just were lucky enough to get him back. So it's not a sign that they're in love with the guy. OJ Moody, OJ Moody, OJ Moody, look away from I just want to prove that I can, in fact, say that mm-hmm. these team names got a little tongue-tied there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think we pretty much hit everything that we needed to. I, I do want to pose this to you, and, and this is actually something that I heard on, I believe it was Crackman and Lindahl. I'm just trying to, to properly give credit here. They were, they were talking with Jeff Legwald, as they tend to do, and they were, they were talking about the potential of bringing Kareem Jackson back You know, at a discounted rate of you know, two and a half to $3 million, which is probably about what he would command. He already though took a pay cut from 10 million to 5 million. And what Legwald brought up is the potential of that going sour and not because of Kareem Jackson having a character issue or anything like that, but he's a veteran. He's only got so many snaps left in him. He's already taken a couple of discounts to be with this team if they're not having success or if he's not playing well, it, it could be a scenario where that goes ugly pretty quick. Do you worry about that all at all? Or do you just kind of try and bank on the fact that it's been great so far? Let's see how far we can take this. Um, yeah. I mean, I think he's just worth the risk, man. I mean, he's a guy that I know he's getting up there in age. He's been in the league quite a while now, but to me, honestly, last year, I didn't really see a drop-off in play. Um, I didn't I, either. I kinda... and, but that's the argument is because he has continued to play at this level, asking him to then take another pay cut is, I don't know. It just it seems yeah. like from a relationship standpoint, you you could be already starting off on, on, you know, just not with a lot of room. Well, it feels like the Broncos have more leverage at this point, I guess, right? I mean... He is still on the market. They, Exactly. And Jackson obviously has been a Bronco for the past few years. So that familiarity is there. Um, so if there were other teams that were interested, you know, it's pretty easy to imagine the Broncos probably have a leg up on them in terms of getting Kareem Jackson. If it came down to uh, maybe money wasn't an issue, but if uh, Kareem Jackson had two or three similar offers uh, from teams, you'd like to think that maybe Denver gets a little bit of boost when that decision comes to be made. Yeah, I mean, he he has totally looked like himself. Like, I, it feels like there's been no drop off, which is just crazy to say, but it, it is what it looks like. But I also think that even when he was like 30 and playing this well, still he he was he wasn't one of the big name safeties. Like, it's kind of like the Chris Harris thing, where it's just like all the way through until he gets the Super Bowl. You're like, yeah, he's really really good, and they're like, oh yeah, but then there's all these other guys. And so I don't know that he's valued by the league the same way that, that we value him, especially because he really is just a scheme fit, right? Like, because I don't even think a cream is like a true box safety, like in that Vic right. Fangio, like too high type of deal where he sometimes plays a deep half. Sometimes they're in quarter. So sometimes he crashes down. I think that he fits really well in this particular scheme and that that also is part of the reason why Denver just makes so much sense. And I just think in general, like, if, if he's expecting to make 
$5 million as, you know, he turns 34 next week. That's probably just not going to happen for him. I don't think that that offer is anywhere out there. Fair enough. I, I just wanted to pose it. Definitely. See where everybody was at. I'm a big cream guy, obviously. Bama guy. I, I think it's admirable the way he's transitioned from corner to safety over the years. And he just seems like a good locker room guy. But at 34, it's just a gamble. And I agree with Hank. I I wouldn't have a problem with paying Kareem Jackson $5 million, exactly what you paid him last year, because the, the level of play was still there. But if you have all the leverage, while I do want Denver to, you know, quote unquote, do right by guys, you're trying to build the best team that you can and you're not giving out unnecessary money. It, it just is what it is. It's a business. Um, we're going to talk about CSU's Pro Day and then we are going to talk uh, about the corner and safety rankings real quick, though. College basketball fans join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year. We've got the national championship coming up Monday night. Kansas taking on North Carolina. It's been a tournament of upsets. It's been chaos. It's been fun. But we ended up with the chalkiest of chalk when it comes to a championship with Carolina and Kansas. Whoever you want to back in, back in this game, turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on college hoops with the same game parlay. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. It's safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win. Get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with the promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. So I, uh, yesterday, I had to go up to Boulder for football practice um, and then come back and work and wound up getting to the bar for the second half of the first Final Four game and then like continued from there on through like late into the night slash early into the morning. And so I'll say like this college basketball thing, it can really get to you, but it was a lot of fun. And that was thanks to our friends over at Brackenridge Brewery. Um, like I said, I'm doing real great right now. And that uh, I think that, that might speak to the quality of the beer that Brackenridge Brewery provides. Um, I don't know anything about how any of that works, but it sounds right to me. The Avalanche, the Strawberry Sky, all the good company seltzers, so many it's good Celtic season, baby. It it is Celtic season. It's crazy how it was like 70 degrees yesterday. We're up in Boulder, just like I'm wearing a t-shirt, waiting for practice to get over. It feels like it feels like football. Like you're just talking to all the guys, and it's just like sunny. It's not this gray and gross, like half snow type of deal that keeps happening. I don't know. It's a lot of fun. Seltzer season for sure. And Breckenridge seltzers are the way to go. Um, definitely get those and also head down to the farmhouse in Littleton. So much good food there. Definitely check that out as well. And they're, uh, they're supporting the national parks conference, uh, mm. conservation association. Tragic fires in Colorado were absolutely devastating last year. Breck is donating 1% of all their profits all summer long to the national parks conservation association. So whether you're getting a pint, a six pack, a full on keg, if I mean, you're going to have a party, you're going to get keg, you might as well get Breck. They're going to donate 1% of that. Awesome. We love Breck. You love Breck. Support the homies. We don't need to talk about CSU's Pro Day very much. It was pretty straightforward. 
there was one guy that everyone was there to see. There were nine participants, but again, I mean, we're going to keep it real here. <laughs> Trey McBride, he ran a 4.5440 according to the time that was released. I will say um, the initial time I was given was like 4.59. I heard as high as 4.52, 4.54 right in the middle. That's fair just based on what I saw. Having been there in person, it was legit. It was definitely sub 4.6. I mean, there should be no questions about who the top tight end is now, right? Totally. It's Again, locked up. Definitely. The one thing you'd always point to, though, is just like he's a little bit smaller than those other guys and he comes from CSU. And if some team like you could like a team like the Raiders, you could see getting caught up in something like that and doing something dumb. But yeah, in terms of just who is the best tight end, it's McBride. Fair enough. He uh, he didn't redo all the, the lifting and stuff. He did that at the combine. I actually thought it was pretty cool of him to one. I mean, you get more time to train for it. So I'm, I'm not saying it was all just him being selfless, but the fact that he did have a pro day at CSU allowed all of his teammates to, to get to work out in front of the scouts. And it brought in, obviously, significantly more people, gave them a chance. One of the people who actually really surprised me is, is Barry Wesley. I don't think he's a guy that has any chance of getting drafted or anything like that. He did start the last four years at CSU. Walk on, turned starter, started all five positions at one point in his career. He's a local guy. He does have short arms, though, only 32 and, and two eighth inches. So again, like I don't see him as a tackle, maybe a fringe guard, maybe a center, possibly just one of those guys that ends up carving out an NFL career just because of his versatility and you know you, you need bodies really good dude uh, really great story if you don't know what happened to him google it we don't need to get into all of that um and then ryan stonehouse who yeah. looked awesome I'm, I'm not a punting expert but hearing him drop bombs in the in the open stadium it sounded a lot like a cannon i watched him just annihilate a 70 yard punt that then died within about four inches of the goal line uh, he showed off the ability to kick all directions. I was just happy for him. He he got overshadowed this year by what Matt Ariza did at San Diego State. I get it. He's the kicker slash punter. It's a lot of fun. The the thing is, is uh, Ariza finished with about a half yard average better than Stonehouse this season. Stonehouse has been doing this for five straight years, basically uncontested. We tend to fall in love with the, the shiny new toy. I just want to point out that Stoney has been doing this for half a decade and I think he's going to be a phenomenal NFL punter. We shall see. I don't know if he gets drafted. I don't know what that's going to look like, but the the dude is better than anybody that I've seen in a Broncos uniform in 10 years. I will say that. Uh, to that point, Sam Martin not signed after 2022 only has a $483,000 dead cap this year if cut. So, you know, maybe you bring Stonehouse in as uh, if he doesn't get drafted, that is bring him in as a kind of camp leg. Maybe he kind of battles and outperforms Sam Martin and all of a sudden Stoney's a Bronco. Where are you guys at with drafting punters in the seventh round? Is it an acceptable use of a draft pick? No. You you like it, Jake? Oh, look, man, Stonehouse and Ariza, I think are when you get a guy like that, that's worth it. Um, and when you look at all the picks that are made in the seventh round, man, why not? Like, it, it's just, it's, we're all just throwing darts at the board at that point anyway. Why not, man? Okay. If you could get 15 years at Orion Stonehouse, 
in theory, wouldn't that be a better use of the pick than like, you know, Swag Kelly or any of the people that we've taken <laughs> totally. flyers on? And I wasn't even but against that pick, like, You know what I mean? Like, yeah, so many kickers. It feels like they miss though. Where it's like, how often is the the top kicker in the class? And maybe punters are different, but I, I what there was the the man guy from A and M. M-A-N-N. I forget his first name, but he was supposed to be like the big punter. Maybe that was two years ago. So I don't know if punters pan out. I just know that the kickers feel like they miss as much as anybody else. And it's like, well, come on. Like, what, what, what are we doing here? And, and I, <laughs> I Mason say, Crosby was a six-round pick. Yeah, and that one worked for sure. And I'm sure there's others. I mean, Janikowski was like, whatever. He was first round, right? He was a first-round yeah. pick. That's insane. Isn't that wild? Okay, like, I, that's why or, and I know yeah. that's true, but... Every time I say it, it's like that cannot be true. It's like, yeah, I guess it worked out, whatever. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not touching that. The only exception might be like if you're if you're like Pittsburgh or something, or Buffalo, somewhere where if you're like a, a free agent rookie, free agent kicker, you'd be like, there's no way I'm gonna go sign to kick in the wind and the cold and all that. Like if you have that sort of disadvantage, but like for the Broncos, you get the best available of whoever's left because they get to kick at altitude. Right. In theory, yeah, point. You, and you saw him kick at altitude too. Stonehouse, that is that we're talking about. So and uh yeah, man, Justin, when we did uh when we did Rams games last year, I'm not gonna lie, he was one of the players almost every time I watched him. Uh not that I would get excited for fourth downs. I don't think anyone ever does, but uh I always liked seeing Stonehouse trot onto the field and seeing what would happen. <laughs> As a punter, you have to watch him. And that's, I mean, that's a credit in its own right. You know what I mean? Like normally that's an acceptable time to go to the bathroom, go get a beer, a hot dog, whatever it is. But with Stonehouse, it's like, I got to see what this dude's going to do. Cause he might kick it out of the stadium. He might drop it at the one yard line. I mean, his, his back, his ability to get backspin on some of these booming punts is insane. I will say every now and then outkicked his coverage a little bit. I can get a little bit too excited. He's got that just cannon of a leg. That's something he'll have to work with. But uh, he did improve his hang time this season, so I think it'll it'll be all right. Um, and let's start talking about some of these real quick. Some of these corners. Okay, go ahead. That is why you never trust the average for these college punters because they know that there's oh, basically yeah. they manipulate nothing. the stats. They exactly. know it's like, just like they want to kick be it deep it. every time. And I was talking. I can't remember. So it was at one of the CU practices, and it was with. Uh, the, their punter at the time, who is probably not going pro, but he's doing his best. Um, but one of the things he brought up, I think it was Trying a Razor. Real hard. I, yeah, exactly. Uh, it, I think it was a Razor, though, who he was saying, like, yeah, he he's just constantly outkicking his coverage. Like, look, they're bad punts every time. Like, he's not putting them in good places. He, yeah, he's, he's not as really good far. as Stonehouse. And I think it like, was him who was saying that about. It's spot on. I mean, I watched him all year and I get it. Like he's getting the glory. Everyone loves to see the 80 yard punt when it works out for you. Mm -hmm. But you know, a lot of the times when you do that and you could have just pinned them and instead you boot it deep, they get a running start. They run past your gunners. And instead of being a successful 40 yard punt, it's like a 25 yard punt because they outrun everybody. And you know, it is what it is. Like we said, picking <laughs> college kickers and, and punters were not experts. Ross reader. His long snapper, uh, if you ask him, that guy's never had a bad workout in his life. He uh, was very confident about how he performed with Stonehouse. I know nothing other than I will say he didn't have any bad snaps that I can remember in, in four years at CSU or three years, whatever it was. Maybe he'd make it. Yeah, his long snap. Trent Siege went to CSU and 
that's a guy whose name I didn't even know while he was at CSU. Probably I knew it. He was the long snapper, but you know what I mean? Let's talk corners. I've rambled way too long. That was amazing. Who, who do you, who's your corner one? <laughs> who's your corner one? Sauce. Uh, yeah. Sauce. It's sauce, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, you just it's... look at his body of work. We don't need to like ramble and ramble about each of these guys. Everybody get their individual breakdown, but he, he's a guy obviously whose physicality stands out. He's great in press. Um, and he ran a four, four, one at six foot three. So I, I think there are any concerns you might've had about him. He answered them with the testing and this dude's just a freak. Uh, he refuses to give any space to wide receivers, very handsy, physical, uh, competitive. He's going to talk, um, you know, he'll kind of get in someone's face, especially after a big play on his part. Um, I mean, I don't know. You kind of get nitpicky at this point. He's not a form tackler. It doesn't really come up. Uh, well, he does come up in this run and screen game. He's just not really an enforcer there, uh, but he's a corner. You live with that. I get Talib vibes from him. Ooh, nice. I like Lots. that comparison. Yeah. yeah. I, and by that, I mean like he, he should be one of the best corners in the NFL at some point. I'm, I'm totally bought into the hype. He's also one of those dudes that occasionally is going to gamble a little bit and like, you know, he's going to try and get handsy and somebody's going to slip behind him. And I will say that the four, four, one, that makes you feel better about his potential recovery. He's he's aggressive, you know, he's, he's going to get burnt every now and then, but it didn't really happen at Cincinnati. So I, I don't know, like he's just one of those where every now and then I would watch him, especially against some of those AAC teams where I'm like, I don't know if you'd get away with that against, you know, a Devonte Adams or, you know, something like that, but that's anybody, you know, again, I could make the same argument about Trey McBride mossing, you know, Wyoming linebackers. Like, you know, is that going to happen over an NFL linebacker? Probably not. Two through four, I think is where this gets really interesting because I, I don't think sauce Gardner being number one was really in question for any of us. We all love him. At two, I really struggled. That's my dog. Sorry. Um, there are guys who I like a lot, but also it's just like a ceiling versus floor argument. And I don't know. I, I put Derek Stingley at number two, just because I think he has the highest ceiling. I think he's the best athlete when healthy. We also haven't really seen that consistently since 2019. I don't know. I mean, I just, I struggled with putting him above or below guys like McDuffie and, and Booth and Elam and some of these guys, but I ultimately put him at number two. My dog Indy was very vocal there. He was, he was arguing. <laughs> He's saying, it's, how can you put him at two? He's been so inconsistent. Yeah. I get it. I get it. But you just, you're banking on upside. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, obviously very talented coming from a school that has a long line of very, very successful defensive action corners in the NFL. Um, but we've talked about it. LSU is a train wreck, man. They've been a train wreck the past two years and Stingley, you know, battling injuries and, you know, battling bad play is kind of a part of that. I mean, you can kind of mention it and say it kind of played into why Stingley, you know, maybe had to, you know, he had the injury, of course, but why he kind of the level of play declined for sure, especially 2019 to 2020. And that's that's what you worry about that with form. the Liz Frank injury, just given that it can be a reoccurring thing. Yeah, Liz Frank's a I mean it's not it's an HDL, it's sure. not, you know what I mean? Like they're they're right. definitely worse. But I mean it's it's concerning. And 
I, I can't argue with you, man. I've been anti Stingley on this pod as long as I can remember, but I just, I don't know. I, it's hard when you look at his size and you look at his raw athleticism, his ball skills when he is there. And also, I mean, and this is something Dre's brought up repeatedly is yes, he's been a part of that, that problem with LSU being dysfunctional, but also like it was such a shit show. How much can you really blame him? Like it just, it seemed like it was a mess all over the place on both sides of the ball those last two years. Mm-hmm. Stingley's my number two, two. He, uh, I'm, I'm kind of bought back in. Like just going back and watching, like how many cornerbacks, first of all, they're just highlight tapes for, and you slip in one of the highlight reels when, when you're going through and watching the film, you're like, oh yeah, he does do this stuff. Like he does just like jump out of the building and knock balls away or pick things off. Like he, he might turn out to be kind of like, kind of that gambler type, like you were talking about where it's like, he might get burned a couple times. He might make some mistakes and leave guys wide open, but also I have no doubt that Derek Stingley will make plays if you put him on the field. It's it's just whether he could lock somebody up while making those plays is where I'm at. That 2019 season, six interceptions, 15 passes defense. You guys, that's more than some of these guys had in three, four years. It's wild. So, I mean... And that's the thing. It's like his his ceiling, like the, the high watermark is absurdly high. But it's been a couple of years, you know, that pool's been empty. The sun's beating on it. You can see it still. It's still on the concrete. Like you remember the days when it was, you know, eight feet deep, but it's just been a kiddie pool these last couple of years. I don't know. I, I still think he has an opportunity, especially you get him in an NFL camp, get the right coaching. He's a guy that feels like he has to end up in, in the right scenario though. You know what I mean? Where if he's expected to be like corner one next fall, I don't know. That could be a rough start. Well, you talk about landing spot a lot too, right? And then this is something, especially in terms of draft position, I feel like if a team takes him like top 10, top 15-ish even, top half of the first round, you're kind of putting these expectations on him that if he is hurt for an extended period of time and if he does kind of continue this pattern, not of regression, but this pattern of not being uh, a six-interception, 15-pass defense guy every year, you know, you you might be kind of setting him up for uh, uh, you know a little bit of hard press, I guess, from the fan base and such. But yeah, I I, I see the talent for sure. I get it. Um, he's just man, just that that 2019 season, and it was obviously great. But I think there's also a, an aspect of him being a freshman then, and teams not really knowing about him, right? So he's going to get a lot more work. Um, you know, they had Christian Fulton and Kerry Vincent back then, too, in that 2019 season. Uh, two guys that also ended up making the NFL. So, you know, someone had to get also had to pass. Like, with, exactly. with that LSU offense, you were always playing from behind against them. And so, you know, but, but those are important things to consider. And honestly, I hadn't even really thought about that until right now. Makes me feel a little bit queasy about having him, too. But we're, we're banking on talent. Who is your two, though? Because you said you have them at four. Yeah. I think two through five are, are really debatable here, but and kind of interchangeable just depending on what day of the week you ask me. Who is your two though? So I've got Andrew Booth Jr. at number two, um, six foot, 194, good size. Uh, he, he's one of those guys, like I just mentioned, average ball production. I think uh, he had five picks in the last two years, but only nine combined pass breakups in that time. Um, he's a. I'd probably say he's a zone corner, but I don't really want to put that kind of label on him. Uh, he just moves really well in zone. 
uh, knows where to be, uh, can be trusted in the back end in those situations. But he's uh, also a competitive physical corner too, uh, he, especially when he's coming downfield. I think that's the part of his game I like the most is that he's one of the better tacklers uh, and just enforcers coming downhill. And maybe that's just me. I play, Maybe I place too much value on that for corners, especially because they're corners and, well, they need to cover guys downfield, not really make an impact in the run game and the screen game. Uh, but I just thought that was an aspect that stood out of his game. Thought he was just able to play uh, zone and man. That's why I had him at two. It was very Seattle Seahawks, like 2012. Yeah, he's he would fit in that role. He would be a, a welcome member to the LOB for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's my number three. Um, and I guess I might as well say Trent McDuffie's my number two. Uh, I, I think that he might not be quite as versatile as like a booth. Um which is saying something because again, like it's not like Booth is the most versatile guy in this class. But I think if if you were to put uh, Trent McDuffie in a situation where he could be like that Josh Norman type, just sit on the flat outside, I think you'd be really, really happy. I think that there's a chance, I mean, and and that's what makes it kind of tough is that I think Booth in a vacuum is probably the player that more teams want. But if you're playing like a cover two, Tampa two something, and you could get Trent McDuffie outside, I think he'd make a lot of plays out there. Like he's just so quick. He can burst forward and he's not the biggest. And I think that more so than anything else is why I worry about him just playing pure man coverage is that the the matchups might be a little bit limited or even just playing like a deep third. You wonder um, whether he just could make plays on the ball, but in tight, close to the line of scrimmage, especially when you put him on the boundary. I really, really like him. Um, but that to me is the difference between him and Booth is just that Booth you know, probably fits best in that big cover three type zone. Um, could flip him to man, could do some other things. Um, but I do have McDuffie just because I think he's such a good fit into that cover two type of system. I'd booth at five or four, excuse me. And I had McDuffie at three. So again, like I said, all these guys are, are pretty interchangeable. I think if McDuffie was two inches taller, he might be in the conversation with like, is, is he corner one with sauce Gardner? I mean, there really isn't anything he can't do, but you just, you worry about his worry about his size a little bit aggressive tackler. I actually think he'd be awesome in the slot. I I don't, I feel like if you brought him in, he could start there day one and be really productive for you. I think you could move him around a little bit, but I don't know, just as a little bit smaller. And then I guess I'll just give five. Then I have a Kyer Elam, another physical corner. I think he's really solid and press strong bloodlines. Obviously his dad and uncle both played in the league and the fact that he just ran a four, three, nine forties really going to help his cause. Cause he's just downhill guy, you know, great in open space. But I also think out of all these guys, he's probably who I would want least like man on man who I would trust. Like I need this dude to lock somebody down. I don't know if I necessarily see that from Elam. I just, I love the raw athleticism. Yeah, so, um, all right, let me start at three here because that's where I had uh, Kyer Elam. I thought that I, I liked him because of his ability to play physical. Um, and I say that meaning physical, like through the route and downfield. Uh, when it comes to coming up and playing near the line of scrimmage or playing the run, I don't think Elam plays physical at all, honestly. So uh, I'm kind of just betting on the what I saw in coverage, and I thought he was super smooth, just able to stay in phase. Um, 
make plays on the ball. He had solid production. Um, he had a bit of a drop off from production in 2021. Uh, but it could, I think it's one of those things too, where, you know, coming into this season, Kyrie Elam was a guy that we talked about as cornerback one up there with Stingley. Right. So I think teams were just kind of aware of him. Um, and he maybe just didn't get as much work. I think that he's just, he was one of the more natural guys, uh, kind of moving backwards and just loved how he got his hands on uh, receivers off the line and stuff. So that's why I had him at three and then to Trent McDuffie, I put him at five. Um, I kind of struggled with him and, uh, um, my guy, Roger McCreary, that's who I had the, for the battle at five. I like both of those guys a lot. Uh, but to go back to McDuffie, just super instinctual, I thought. Um, you know, Hank mentioned that, he, you know, he's got the ability to really burst and close on the ball. But I think a lot of that's actually just instincts and football IQ. I think he's just a really smart player. Um, and he can impact around the line of scrimmage also. Uh, slightly undersized, I guess. 5'11", 193. So uh, definitely fits in that slot role. But um yeah, I, I like this cornerback class. Mm-hmm. Um, I can. Uh, so, let's see. who's your five? Who is? Are is? We all have a Mod Gardner, Stingley, McDuffie, Elam Booth, in, in some form for the top five. I slipped Kyler Gordon into the fifth ahead of Kyer Elam. Um, okay. Just because, honestly, I think that there's some similarities between them. Um, but Kyler Gordon, to me, better, better tackler more more ability to get downhill, make plays in the backfield. Um, I, I, I do kind of wonder where I'd put him. Because um, again, like I think that there's a lot of slot corners in, in this draft. I think that that's where a lot of the depth is. And he might be one of them. Um, but he's another one. And obviously playing at Washington with Trent McDuffie um, does some similar things. And it's uh, part of it is just kind of wild that they were so bad with two corners who are going to be up I know drafted here so highly but I guess if you can just run on a team who cares if their corners can lock you up um I think uh he, he presses well um pretty physical um I think that you could probably use him in different ways again like the the zone is probably where he stands out coming from Washington with McDuffie um yeah, I mean, what, how big is he? I think he's like six foot one ninety five, something like that. Kyler five eleven one ninety four, so okay. literally just one pound off of McDuffie. Um, go ahead. He looks bigger than that. I don't. It's, it's weird. I guess watching him out there, it looks like he has a, a bigger, bigger difference in size there. I had him at six as well. Just put him on my notes. You could put him on the inside or the outside, solid in, in zone. I. Again, I, he might be one of those where it's like jack of all trades, master of none again. Um, and then I put Roger McCurry, who again, I like a lot. I yep. think those top seven guys, if you get any of them, there's there's a lot to like. Darian Kendrick from Georgia is another guy who I kind of struggled with because you've seen the upside, uh. but you've also seen him get torched for weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with that, but it just it wouldn't surprise me oh. if he ended up being a decent guy at the next level. Oh, uh, man. Um I want to get to all those guys you mentioned, but real quick, Darian Kendrick. I think he ran a four seven five at his pro day. Oh my! Did he was, really? All right. Yeah. Well, never mind. Yeah, you know exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, to go I'm going to be interested Kyler to see Gordon. what Stingley runs because I think LSU's pro day is is coming up here on the sixth. I think. Yeah, that's a that's absolutely massive. Um, if he's, I mean, I don't know. I don't think you expect him to be lightning quick coming off the injury and all that. But if he's 
anywhere below four or five, that's tremendous. I think for him uh, to go back to Kyler, would Gordon, him not though, running so. be a concern? Just real quick, if he chose not to run, I think he'd still be locked in as like the second cornerback. Yeah, I think so too. I don't, I don't think, think he's that big of a deal. Yeah, then don't run. I yeah. think there's a chance he might not. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I think he might have a little bit of a sore hammy that morning. Right. Uh, Justin, you might have a future as a as a football agent there. Um, <laughs> to go back to Kyler Gordon, I I think him and McDuffie are actually really similar. Yeah. Um, they're both pretty smooth and explosive. I think what it comes down to, I think Gordon's a little bit more raw uh, than McDuffie, just in terms of the mental side of the game, in terms of route recognition, just kind of. Uh, I mentioned it with McDuffie. He's just so quick to diagnose yep. and act on that. Um, it's second nature. He breaks better than anybody defense. does. Like you can, you can see. It might just be like you said. It might just be pure. Like this dude has better instincts than anybody on the field. But it seems like his vision is up there as well. And I like, I like Gardner in, in that regard as well. It just seems like he can feel the play developing before it happens a lot, a lot better than the rest of these guys. Yeah. Um, and then to McCreary, he was, he's just impressive, man. I wish he was bigger. I wish he was faster for sure. But then you put on the tape, I thought he played really well against Jamison Williams last year. And then there's also a video from, uh, um, what would this be? I guess 2019 then of his matchup with Jamar Chase. And it was impressive stuff, man. He's right there. He's playing physical with Jamar. Um, you know, Jamar kind of had his way with guys in college, just, you know, being able to strong arm and push off McCreary was having none of that. He was right there. Um, I really like Roger McCreary. He's got really fluid hips. Um, he's, I mean, again, he's 5'11", 190, so he's not very big, but he does play physical, especially through the route. Um, super patient and square off the line. He's got the ball production. Um, again, just if he had, man, if he just, if he broke into the six foot, maybe he had another five, 10 pounds and maybe you knock a 10th off that 40. We're talking about a guy here in this first round range. Yep. And uh, with all these small corners, it does kind of make you wonder if all the small receivers makes it more acceptable at this point. Cause you're just not seeing so many big guys out there. Like everybody's looking for speed and quickness and all that. Like even, even Ronald Darby, he's only 5'11, 193. Like he's right there with the McDuffie, That's a good point. right there I mean, with the Kyler Gordon. Thinking a little too through a 2010 lens here when when looking for corners, but mm-hmm. there's aren't that many. Like you, you love the big six foot three guys, but there just aren't as many of them. Yeah, That's um, probably what makes Gardner so appealing too. Just given he has the size, he has the speed, and then he has the has the resume of like three plus years of just doing this against great talent. Yep. He's a top 10 pick, right? Like there's Easily. no way we see him falling out of the top 10. He might go yeah, top five. Definitely. And if I was going to love him. Any um, other corners you want to talk about Jake before we move on to safeties? Yeah. My guy Tariq Woolen out of UTSA. Um, he was a guy that, you know, really impressed. Yep. Uh, just really impressive at the senior bowl. That's kind of where I got put on to him. Um, the tools are there with him. It's just not all put together yet. Uh, you know, we just talked about size and length. Dude, six four two oh five. man. Uh, there's going to be a team that just sees that, and the tape is not bad, but it's not great. Um, I don't think he plays the run well at all. Uh, that's something that I don't know if you can really teach. That's kind of a mentality thing, I think. Um, but he uses his length and his speed off the line. 
Uh, he ran something ridiculous at the combine too, didn't he? Um, pulling it up, here. it was like a he four three something, I think. Yeah, he was way up there, four two six, man. Oh my god! Um, so four two six at six four two oh five. You know, that's just that's what you look at, right? The tape isn't the greatest, and obviously, being in UTSA, you're not getting the best competition. But my God, uh, 42640, 42-inch vertical jump. He has 33, 5-8-inch arms. Uh, he's almost got tackle arms, guys. This guy is just long, fast, explosive. Uh, wherever he goes, I'm going to be interested to see exactly how he turns out. Um, he could be a Bronco and, target. Absolutely, he could. Absolutely, he could. Uh, do you guys have anyone? Uh, I've got a few more guys, but if you want to get oh. some guys in before. I'll throw a Josh Job out there from Alabama. That's what I was going to throw out as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's a, a... Like, the reason he's not a first-round pick is because... I mean, first of all, he's 23. He's he's old for a rookie. He ran like a 4-5, I think, which isn't bad, but it doesn't really stand out. He's he's like six foot one. Again, like, you just like to get that up to 6'2", 6'3", for that style of play. Um, and he just doesn't get his hand on many balls. But he is, again, in terms of this draft class, one of the bigger cornerbacks. He has a lot of experience playing like that press man sort of stuff that, that Bama likes to run. Um, I think that he, he, can, he can be a little bit handsy. He can make some of those mistakes. Like I said, doesn't get, it, get, get his hands on many balls at the same time. But also you look at it and be like, hey, he's going up against the the very best of the best. When when you're playing man coverage on those guys, and you're playing man coverage on Kyle Pitts, even like that sort of experience, I think that he's a solid option. And I'm not sure that he has like the the lockdown upside, but I do think that he's somebody who you could draft and throw out on the field, and he'd probably handle himself just fine. That's exactly just what he was. I mean, he's ne- he's never going to be the best corner on your team, but in 2020, he actually did lead the SEC and. A few yards per coverage snap allowed. He was even better than Patrick Sertan there. I don't know. He, I mean, he is too handsy. Like, as a Bama fan, it was almost comical, like, in some of those big games, just knowing that he was going to get flagged for kind of a untimely pass interference call that was going to keep a drive alive. It was just one of those, when you're in the fan base, especially, very frustrating player. He did have 15 pass breakups and two picks the last two seasons, which surprised me because again, he's not a guy as I view as like being dominant and in breaking things up, being locked down in coverage or anything like that. But I think he's a guy that's probably, as long as he stays healthy, going to have a decent NFL career, could play 10 years. It's just going to be like a number three corner. Now, where you draft him, I'd probably no earlier than like third round, fourth round. But and again, a, a guy that I, I could see coming in with the veterans that you have in place in Denver and, and potentially carving out a role as, you know, the three, maybe the four. The only thing that worries me a little bit is I don't know if he's like, I don't, I don't know if you put him on the inside or the outside, he's not like overwhelmingly fast. He's not a phenomenal tackler, but he's not a poor tackler. He's good in coverage, but not great. Like, I don't, it's just one of those, you like him, you don't love him. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys have any more dudes uh, before I rattle off a few names here? Um, no, it's all you, man. So kind of getting later into the weeds here, uh, a few guys I like. Um, the first one that comes to mind would be Kobe Bryant from Cincinnati. Uh, first off, great name. Uh, second, not exactly like Sauce, but he's kind of a longer corner too. 
could play some press. He's interesting. Uh, Chase Lucas, a guy from Arizona State. Um, he's actually a guy I wrote down back when I worked at SIS. So this is like three, four years ago at this point. I've been he's been on my list for a while. Um, only 5'11, 180, but he ran 448, uh, team captain and stuff. Uh, you know, he's just one of those late round guys. I I'd be willing to take a shot on him. Uh yep. who else do we got here? I would throw Jack oh, Jones something? in there too. Jack okay. Jones also, both of them from Arizona State, very similar players. Arizona State's always getting those basically like they put all five DBs as they're just like slot corners. Jack Jones, maybe just like a little bit more raw. I think he might be older too. Um, and oh, and also there's some, uh, he got in like some legal trouble before he uh, moved over to Arizona State. So you just have like a couple of those minor red flags. But I think, I think both him and Chase Lucas are, are solid slot options late, especially Chase Lucas though. Yeah, for sure. Lucas is awesome. Um, and then just to rattle off a few names here, I like Martin Emerson from Mississippi State. A uh, bit of a press kind of guy. He's kind of getting some buzz recently. Um, also have Alante Taylor from Tennessee. Uh, he's a guy that ran pretty well, 4'3'6", uh, foot one ninety nine. He's a guy that, you know, you probably look back into day two, maybe started day three. And then um, I'll throw one more. Cam Taylor Britt from Nebraska is a guy I've seen on Twitter, especially get a lot of pump up. Um, but I think that's about it for corner class. Really, after for me, after Woolen, so Andrew Booth, Kyrie Elam, Ahmad Gardner, Kyler Gordon, McCreary, McDuffie, Stingley, and then right at Woolen, that's my cutoff, I think, in terms of guys I really like. Um, also, guys that I think could be in play for that first pick for the Broncos, too. So. Yeah, I would say, and really, I mean, I, like four or five of these guys could potentially end up going in the first like 40 or so picks, depending on how this all plays out. But you sh- should get two or three of them still sitting there. I guess we'll watch. See, I want to talk about safeties, though, because this, this is kind of an intriguing class. Real quick, though, we do have to shout out Ripple, a fast-acting dissolvable, clinically proven to hit two times faster than the leading gummy. Ripple starts absorbing within 10 minutes, so you can depend on a consistent experience every time. With Ripple Dissolvables, you can make anything inedible. It's flavorless. You just throw it in your water or pour it straight on your tongue. It comes in a variety of doses, whatever experience you're looking for. It, it's not like that sketchy brownie you've got from the dude you're in your college dorms who's, oh, you're going to be fine. All of a sudden, you're in space. No, you want to get just a little buzz going. They've got it. You want to get absolutely ripped. You can do it. No faster than with Ripple Dissolvables. No sketchy science. Ripple's speed and absorption were studied at CSU in a randomized placebo-controlled trial with real people. The results were published in a peer-reviewed journal. You can find Ripple at Colorado's premier light, uh, premier dispensary, Lightshade. They have 11 locations in the Denver metro and Aurora area. They offer something for everyone from the casual consumer to the connoisseur. They have a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flour, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. Get the awesome rate of 25% off non-sale items. When you use the code DNVR, go to lightshade.com. Use that code DNVR for 25% off. Go Ripple, go Science, go Rams. Um, Let's talk about safeties. Are we worried about the, uh, the 40 time here with Kyle Hamilton? You don't love it. I, I think because what it's like a four six five or something. Yeah, four six five. So combine was four five nine. Okay. So that's a little bit better. But 
I don't know. I, I go back and forth on him. I mean, obviously, he's a freak. He's a really good player. He does a bunch of things. He does them really well. But when you just try to compare him to other prospects, like Isaiah Simmons, I would take over Kyle Hamilton. Is that is that something we agree upon, or am I crazy there? Um, I think it's really close. Um, I You obviously are getting more in terms of physical tools from Isaiah Simmons, which I think I can't blame you for going that path for sure. Um, but Kyle Hamilton, to me, I think he's very, very instinctive. And I think it's more so over Isaiah Simmons. And I think, remember, Isaiah Simmons was a guy, these guys are interesting because they do have a lot of similarities, but they are different in in many ways, I think. And I think Isaiah Simmons was a guy that when I watched him, I was like, he's got to play safety. He's better the further away from the line of scrimmage than near it. Whereas Kyle Hamilton, I really like him around the box and up around the line of scrimmage. He made amazing plays coming downhill in the run game um, in short yarded scenarios and stuff too. And, you know, with that four five, nine speed, I mean, in those situations, uh, it, it didn't look like to be an issue there. Um, That's the I thing mean, this is, is when you watch him, he doesn't, he doesn't appear to be slow again. He's not like, you know, out there flying around, but, in some of their better games, he was solid in pass coverage. He was keeping up with, you know, top targets. And again, you just, with everything that you can ask him to do, I feel like he's perfectly suited to just kind of be the, the modern, you know, the modern safety in the league. You, you have to be able to come up near the box. You got to be able to drop back in zone, do some man. I mean, is he going to cover a Tyree kill? No, but right. he feels like a guy that comes in, day one can play the whole year and rack up, you know, 90 plus tackles for you, maybe a pick or two. I don't ever see him as being like a ball hawking safety, but you don't need that from him. I think he could be. I think if you wanted him to be, if you just want to play him in that deep middle of the field, he'd, he'd make some plays for you. Um, I'm curious. What about Derwin James? As a prospect, would oh, you like Derwin James better or worse? Um, I think I'd pick Derwin. I think Derwin had more ability in, in coverage in terms of like man to man, um, and just like matching up more so, um, you know, you see him in AFC West, of course, how he matches up with those tight ends, um, and how he can just kind of, you don't want him on those Tyree kill type guys, but he was someone that if he was lined up out there, you're not, you know, you're not worried that he's out there on a, one of the fastest guys in the league. I want to say real quick though, uh, on Kyle Hamilton's 40, uh, this guy named Justin Simmons ran a four, six, one at the combine. So having a time around four, six, especially for a safety, um, I guess. So let me get into this. I got a little bit of take with safety. I think it's one of the easiest positions to watch actually, because I think that it's all about instincts. It's all about how you see the field, how quickly you're able to react, diagnose, and just get there, just make the play. Um, and that's just what Kyle Hamilton does. He just gets in position and he makes the play. Uh, and obviously, Justin Simmons does. It doesn't seem like the 4 6 1 has really hampered his career at all. Yep. I, I, th- I think that for me, it's really hard to take a safety in the top 10 who doesn't have like that sort of speed that that kind of unlocks the versatility to go man everywhere. But then you watch him play and it's like, I don't think, and I don't know how he gets outside the top five because he's like you said, always where he needs to be. You know, some of the fun stuff is like when you see like the offense motion 
And and it's like he just somehow gets to where the ball is going to be before the ball's even snapped. Like somehow right. he sees that sort of stuff and it's just like, okay, there there is something different here. And and while I, I kind of agree, like the Derwin James, Isaiah Simmons, those guys I think I would definitely prefer to have. Um, but then you also look at it and say, like, I think that Kyle Hamilton is basically Justin Simmons, except better in the box and and better maybe maybe more explosive is the word moving forward getting into the backfield like the, a quicker first step um but also more of a hitter i think maybe even though he does have that length he does, he, he almost is like boxy in the way he's right. built in the middle of his body um and so then you look at it and it's like well yeah i don't like as a policy i don't like the idea of taking a safety in the top 10 who's running like a 4 6 like that just feels yeah. wild but then you look at it as is he just a better, more versatile Justin Simmons and Justin Simmons is an all pro safety. And so can you really Mm -hmm. pass up on that? And that's why I settle on like, yeah, he probably should be a top five pick um, in a class where there's no quarterbacks and, and he's probably going to be really, really good. Um, It's just whether he, I think whether he ever becomes like that all pro level, which honestly I'd be willing to bet that he does Um, just wonder, does he get caught up on blocks a little bit more? Um, do, can those linemen kind of manhandle him a little bit instead of letting him slip through and getting in the backfield, making those plays? Because in coverage, I'm not really worried about him at all. So maybe in man, maybe in man. Real, real quick, another name to throw out there in this conversation is Jamal Adams, I think, though, too, because he's a guy that he was similar, talked in this like top 10, top five range, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't remember exactly where it's taken. I think it was like six overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it was apparent in college that this guy is just like a box, not a box safety. I don't want to put that label on him, but he's better, you know, near the line of scrimmage coming downhill uh, as opposed to being in coverage, especially as like a single high guy or, you know, last like last line of defense type player. Um, yep. You know, that's not where he makes his money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, this is a guy that's, we could talk about the trade with the Seahawks and how they may be overpaid for him and stuff, but when he's on the field and he's healthy and he's able to play in that role that he's made for, you know, kind of rover, rover around the line of scrimmage, maybe play some slot, maybe you throw him back there deep uh, every now and then just to kind of keep everyone honest. Um, but if he's a top six or wherever he was player, and he's just mostly about getting sacks and stuff in the run, uh, Kyle Hamilton to me is more than worth it in this area. At the same time, Jamal Adams at four three three forty. Like that yep. is something that's what you look at and be like, okay, that that's like the juice. That's what bumps you up into that top range. That that four three that four three forty doesn't really help him too much in terms of guarding man to man or in it's range true. in the back end, though. <laughs> it's true, and that's why, like, I Kyle Hamilton to me, like top five pick, and he's going to be probably an impact player right away. Because again, at the very least, you just start him off playing in the middle of the field, just deep. And, and then kind of build from there, try them out doing other things from right. there. At the very least, you do have that kind of Justin Simmons type, I think. That's Who's your number two? Because I've got Daxton Hill of Michigan. <sighs> That's, it was really tough. And I honestly didn't even decide. I think I think I, I, you have to. I was really tempted to go with Lewis Seen there. Seen sign. Mm. Scene. I think we can go with scene. I don't know. Okay. Don't know. Um, but but so the thing about Lewis Scene is that he, he you really like him kind of in that Kareem Jackson type of role that like too too high safety type of look except that 
half the time he's crashing down in the box. Sometimes he's actually playing in that like cover two type of deal or cover four type of deal. And I think that with a Lewis scene, what was really so appealing is his ability to play the running game and, and kind of like fly downhill and make the hits like Kareem does. It's just whether he has enough juice to keep playing like that deep half or he could probably handle the deep quarter, but can he play that deep half so that you do kind of keep teams honest by having him back there instead of thinking he's getting picked on because, because you have those questions and coverage. I that's, that's why I wound up going with Daxton Hill. Um, again, just like a, a freak athlete. I, I do kind of wonder where you put him um, because he is, he is a little bit small to be that center fielder type. Um, yeah. But he has the the speed and the range, I think, to kind of make up for it. Um, but at the very least, you could put him into the slot and probably have a man up against some little slot receivers. And I think he'd do well there just with the extra physicality going, just kind of grinding it out against those guys. Um, maybe with tight ends too, but again, the size comes in. Um, so I, I did wind up with Daxton Hill as number two. Okay, so I had him switched. I had uh, Lewis seen two, okay. and then I put Daxton Hill at three. Um, real quick about Lewis scene. I just, his ability as a tackler, I thought was awesome. Um, yep. he, he can like aim high and try and do like the whole, uh, tug and try and wrestle guys down from up high, which, you know, obviously not form tackling. So, uh, would like to see that a bit improved, but there, I saw enough form tackling at times. I felt confident enough in his ability to come downhill. I thought his man to man ability was actually pretty good. Um, and you mentioned it, Hank, he does have a bit of a size advantage over Daxon Hill. He's at 6'2", 199. Daxon Hill is 6 foot 190. Um, so you get two inches and 10 pounds was seen. I thought he has really good ball skills, actually, um, and great competitiveness throughout the catch. Um, you know, he's fighting hands and trying to, you know, split the ball uh, from the receiver throughout the catch point. Um, only two career interceptions, had nine pass breakups in 2021. Uh, but 14 total in his career, um, you know, not super flashy numbers, but that was good enough for me. And I saw the the ball skills there. Daxton Hill, though, um, that size, I think, is what I think that might have been the deciding factor for me. Um, you know, like the Penn State game, seeing him cover uh, Jahan Dotson was I mean, it was really good. He was able to keep up with him and he matches up well with guys like that. The bit, the smaller kind of shiftier slot guys. Um, which I mean, you're playing safety. That's you're going to cover those guys a lot, but I think bigger wide receivers and tight ends are going to give him issues um, because of that size. He's got good ball skills. Also, um, as I mentioned, plenty of man to man skills. And as you said, also Hank, his athleticism, speed and range um, for me, that that's just screams free safety. Um, and we're in this weird kind of era of football where single high isn't really, or like, you know, middle of the field, uh, one guy is just, it's not played as often. It's still obviously played. Um, but I think there's a bit less of an emphasis on being able to play single high, but Daxton Hill out of all the guys besides Kyle Hamilton, uh, Daxton Hill is the guy that I would want at a free safety. Yeah, I think that that's fair. And with Lewis seen, I think just the general physicality that really stands out. Cause, cause like getting into the backfield, doing those sorts of things, like he's just a hitter, he's mean and, and that sort of energy from a safety at this point, honestly, it feels kind of rare. Yeah. I mean, 
that whole Georgia defense and watching them, it's so yeah. fun. They all swarm to the ball. They're all trying to get in on the tackle. Um, and he was one of those guys too. I mean, uh, as I mentioned, he does get a, he does aim a bit too high for me at times, but I saw enough, uh, you know, striking the, the, you know, hips and kind of uh, lower body area for me that I'd trust him. Awesome. In the college football playoff. If, uh, if John Gruden was still around, probably would end up being a first round pick with the Raiders just because of how he played in the college football playoff. I, I like Hill better in coverage. I think he gives you some flexibility to potentially throw even in, like put him at slot corner. And, you know, even if he isn't going to be able to cover a Devonte Adams, at least, you know, well, you know, we've always got it. We can put him down low. He's not like incompetent as a tackler. He's not like Lewis seen flying downhill or anything like that. But I, I, I agree. I don't necessarily think he has the same type of uh, physicality. I don't. Those two are. It's kind of like two A and two B for me. You could go either way. You, there are things you like about both. There are things you dislike about both. I think you would much rather have Kyle Hamilton if you had the option. Regardless, after three, it drops in my opinion pretty significantly, just in terms of like guys you would take in the the first couple of rounds, but. There are some more intriguing options. And at four, I have Jaquan Brisker of Penn State, who I think is probably more of a box safety at the next level. Again, you know, would worry me a little bit about if you had him deep in, in coverage or anything like that. And then Jalen uh, Peter of Baylor, and I'm not 100% sure I'm saying that last Petre. name right. Petre, excuse me. Uh, raw, but I, I think there's a lot you can work with there. Where are you guys at with four and five? So I put uh, Petre at four. I think that he's, I, I agree with you, Justin. I think the top three, I mean, really Hamilton's in a world of his own. And then uh, that next year would be seen in Hill. And then I think Petre is like a little, just a step down. I think he's close enough to uh, seen in Hill to be taken in that same area. I see Buda Baker when I watch Jalen Petrie. I mean, he's a bit small. I like that. But he's super aggressive. Yeah. Uh, 5'11", 198. Loves coming downhill. He'll drop the shoulder and deliver some contact. Um, he's got the instincts and just a nose for the ball to penetrate into the backfield. Uh, like him as a blitzer. Um, he's kind of that, you know, that weird slot, strong safety slash linebacker type. Um, again, like Buda Baker, you know, just a little undersized like him also. Uh, he actually a bit of a up- glory chaser too, though. Like at times you'd, He's fun to watch. He's exciting to go down in that backfield, but you'd see him over pursue at times and guys yeah. would be able to get to the, get to the edge around him. And you're like, ah, I, I, I see now, like, I see why you're not quite at that next level of, of safety, but he's, he's intriguing. Right. And, uh, just wanted to say, looking at that, this, the site mock draftable where you kind of compare the player webs and stuff. Um, Petre and Buda Baker were like a 75% match. So it's, it's there. I, I had uh I, I had Jaquan Brisker as my number four now. Um I think it, it, so so Kyle Hamilton, basically wh- whatever team you play, you kind of just start with him where it's like, okay, what's the best thing they do? Kyle Ham- Hamilton go handle it. Like even if it's a Tyreek Hill, it's like, okay, press some corner up against him at the line of scrimmage, make things tough underneath. And then as soon as he gets past like 10, 15 yards, Hamilton, you deal with it. And I think that Jaquan Brisker is somebody who you could find a role for against any team. 
And because of that, like I kind of just like the versatility, like good athlete, physical. You can play him as a blitzer. You can put him in coverage. You can have him. I think he could handle slot receivers. I think he could really handle tight ends. Um, And I think that, again, it's not like you start with, oh, here's this guy. You you throw him anywhere. But I do think that against any team that you play, he is a valuable chess piece that you can kind of move around and and find some sort of role for. Um, I didn't see the 40 time. And maybe it's just because he's from Penn State that I feel like he's faster than he is. (laughs) But I, I, I am curious to see what that is um 449 okay 449 yeah so again like that's that's in this class i guess that's really good um but i did have him as my number four with a petrie as the number five i so yeah i mean same guys i uh brisker at five um Again, I mean, I agree with all everything you said. I think the difference for me between Brisker and Petrie was that Brisker, at times to me, he was more like a hitter than a tackler. You know, um, yeah. he's more. I, I need That's to what I mean, though. Like he, he's going for the kill, and you see him coming in hard, and it's exciting. But then he whiffs, and it goes for fifteen, and then you're like, uh, "Yeah, all right then." That so that's that. That was my hang up with him. Um, you know, he was, he played deep a lot though. Mm-hmm. Uh, against Ohio state, he was in too high a lot, um, played out of the slot pretty often too. I mean, he's a guy, like I said, these five guys are all probably going to be, uh, I don't want to say all day two, but they're all going to be top a hundred guys, I think for sure. Yep. So I don't know. I'm Petrie, eh, maybe not. Um, but maybe, maybe you do need him on the Broncos because you know, he's kind of in that, Buda Baker, Kareem Jackson type mold. I, I wouldn't mind taking a chance on these guys. I, th- I I do really like a lot of them. I'll say that. Like even even with like scene, it's like I really like him. I also think that he has some flaws that he just might not be able to overcome. But I, I do like the idea of taking a chance on one of these guys um, and having him compete with Stearns and figuring out what happens there. That's what I wanted to ask right now. Is out of out of these top three, obviously you would take Hamilton, but would you take? Daxton Hill, would you rather have him over Stearns right now? Um, in my opinion, 100%. I think, well, my hang yeah, up with Caden Stearns, honestly, was just the the deep coverage stuff. Um, and he wasn't really put into that role yet in the NFL. So uh, it's tough to kind of say if he's really made strides. But um, I didn't really like that from him uh, when watching him at Texas last year. And that's just where Daxton Hill shines. You can throw him back there and you can trust him back in coverage. Yeah, I agree. Anybody else you guys want to throw out there? Um, Brian Cook, I think the Cincinnati safety is intriguing, but he's also kind of hard to judge just based on the, the level of corners that he got to play with. Not as explosive as some of these other guys, but pretty decent tackler, at least in, in what I saw. I don't know. Really, outside of these top five, it was tough for me. There were moments that I liked Bubba Bolden at, at Miami, but then there yeah. were also moments where he would just completely disappear. So it was kind of back and forth. But he'd probably be my number six. Real quick, Bubba Bolden was all COVID team for me, man. In 2020, when we were just watching, uh, <laughs> yeah, when we were just watching ACC and SEC guys um, for the first two months, he was one of the guys that stood out to me. I liked watching him. Uh, real quick, Nick Cross out of Maryland, a guy is a guy I think he can work with. Um, 
And then uh, Hank, I'm willing to bet that you maybe were going to say him, but Verone McKinley out of Oregon. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, another I, guy I like. Definitely. I, he didn't test well, though. I think Oregon's pro day was yesterday, and he had some concerning numbers there, especially because I see him as kind of like a speed guy. I think, the, 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 to me, the speed was kind of the, the appealing part, and other stuff too, but the speed stood out. Um, but he ran like a 4.7 or something. That Oh, no. I, I think so. <laughs> let's, uh, let's check on that. The other one I'll throw out, another Pac-12 guy, uh, UCLA, Quinton Lake. Um, he, to me, uh, is like a late-round flyer. Like Again, not going to test well, but the instincts are, are there. Um, and I think that that's somebody I, I'd be willing to take a gamble on. I'm going to throw out just, this is a, like a late, late round guy. Reed Blankenship of Middle Tennessee State. This is a guy over the last five years racked up 419 tackles. He has 187 tackles over the last two seasons. 11 of them were for loss, had 10 tackles for loss this season. Um, can absolutely lay the the hammer. Also, 19 pass deflections. Again, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. Middle Tennessee State, but he did run a four five forty, thirty eight inch vertical, ten foot broad jump. You know, maybe a late round guy that you could take a flyer on. You at least like his body of work. I love a safety that can tackle. He's a guy. He was talked about maybe coming out last year, and he he's one of those weird cases where I think if he did come out last year, he's a lot more highly regarded. Um, and maybe kind of in that back end of day two, start of day three conversation. But I don't get that. He had 110 tackles this year, 10 for loss, a sack, only one interception, mm-hmm. but he had eight pass deflections. I, I mean, I agree. Like he was a guy last year, we all were, had our eye on him. And then I didn't really think about him once this entire year until yeah. we were putting this together. And I pulled up the numbers again. I was like, damn. Yeah, he's intriguing. Real quick, Hank, uh, 465 Barone McKinley uh, pro day time. So, not terrible. I'll Not terrible. That. Not terrible. But again, a four like or five, a like my guy Reed Blankenship. Guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anybody else? I hit mine. Um, I'm all good. I think. All right. Yeah, let's get out of here. This was fun. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Denver does with this. I think both of these position groups are, are definitely going to be. Groups to keep your eyes on, especially as we have some of these, you know, LSU's pro day is obviously going to be big for Stingley. I don't know if you're a Broncos fan. Do you like assuming he does run again? I would tell him not to at this point. If he just completely botched it, maybe he could fall and you could get, trade up and get him, you know, at the at the end or something like that. That would that would be interesting. Oh, um, in one of these safeties potentially, I don't know. 64, I guess you're probably in, in play for Daxton Hill, Brisker, depending on kind of how it goes. I think that's pretty much all I've got. We'll, uh, we'll yeah. be back next, actually later this week. This is going to be a, a two-week or two-pod week. Make sure you keep up with everything that we are doing over at DNVR Broncos, DNVR Rams, DNVR Buffs. It's, a, it's officially draft season, baby. It is officially draft season. We've got you covered for it all. Have a great week. Much love. Peace.